Welcome to Divorce Explained, the podcast where we answer your questions and navigate the process of divorce together. Sharing real stories and personal experiences, this is your guide through it all. With your hosts, family law specialist Steve Benmore and divorce lawyer and strategist Leanne Townsend. So today's topic is how do you pick a professional when you and your spouse who are splitting up can't agree on one? Some would say, well, why did we even ask that question? And by the way, which professional are we talking about? Because in Ontario, can two spouses who are splitting up hire the same lawyer? Answer, no. So really what we're talking about is whether that professional is a mediator, an appraiser, an income valuator. Um, those are the areas where hopefully people choose to use those professionals than to use lawyers because most of the time, for the people that might need legal advice, they don't need to worry about what their other spouse thinks about the lawyer that they choose. But the thing that really is important is the person that they choose to help them find resolution. And the person that they choose to find resolution could be one of those people that I mentioned, but let's just use the mediator as an example. A couple splits up. And we know in Ontario, and for those of you that have been following Leanne and I for a while, know that we are big believers in out of court, amicable cooperative settlements, whether that means two lawyers working together cooperatively or the spouses meeting at Starbucks and sorting it out themselves, or them using a mutual friend or them using a mediator. So today we're gonna to talk about picking a professional when the spouses don't agree. And um, Leanne, do you have any examples that you can think of where clients of yours maybe um, have come to you with this question and what were the circumstances surrounding that that prompted them for prompted them asking you that question uh yes i it comes up often enough and i actually um have something uh that's like this that's happened fairly recently which is why i suggested it as a topic because it was kind of fresh in my mind as a sometimes a, a problematic issue so um, you know, I have a client and um, her and her ex are splitting up and it's a file that seems suitable for mediation. And I think both of them are on board with mediation. But, you know, then comes the question of picking the mediator and um, that we've had some challenges in getting the parties to agree on the mediator. And um, so in the, this particular case, um, we did something that I often do when um, there's a file that people seem to be agreeing on mediation is I suggested the names of three mediators who I thought would be good and suitable ones for the file um, and proposed that the opposing party and his lawyer uh, pick uh, one from the, the list of three. And so I did that and, you know, in many situations that I've found that works um, or I've had the other side suggest three names and then me and my client will pick one from their list of three. Um, in this particular case, um, the opposing counsel didn't um, like any of the suggestions because he said he didn't know them. Um, and he, uh, it's a matter where there's, um, we're not in the same city. Um, you know, it's, it's somewhat local, but we're not in the same city. So he came back with, you know, his three names and 
my client didn't like his proposal and I didn't know any of his three names. Um, and so, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting situation because if I was to use his logic and his positioning, I could say, well, I don't know any of your three. So why should we accept one of your three on the same basis you're rejecting ours? And um, we ha I had some back and forth on it with my client and researched uh, the names he proposed and we ended up deciding to go with one of his proposals because I said to my client, I think this person seems like they'll be a good mediator and yes, I don't have experience with them, but they, you know, from what I can find out about them, they seem like they're good and you don't want to waste more time and money going back and forth arguing about who the mediator should be because I felt that the other side um, it just seemed to be very important to them to that it be somebody from their list. So that was how I resolved the issue. Um, I'd be curious if you've ever had that particular type of situation, Steve, and how you've dealt with it. Because, you know, ideally it's nice to work with a mediator that you have previous experience with and, and know that they'll be good for the case. Um, but, you know, when you can't get that agreement from the other side, um, that can be a challenge sometimes. Sure. So one of the things that I do is if the case is one that's heading towards mediation, I study the case to find out what are the unique characteristics of it that might indicate the type of mediator that we need. And, you know, in the old days, part of it was geography. Today, it's not geography anymore. They could actually be in another part of Ontario, but they might be an excellent match for the case because we are mediating by Zoom or we're doing most of it by Zoom. And then we're having one live meeting, which is just one day. So even someone from out of town might be able to come here, we go there. So geography is one factor. The other factor is what are the issues? And in fact, if the issues are strictly parenting, uh, we might be looking at what discipline is best for that mediator, meaning psychology or social work. If the issue, for example, is complex trust issues, maybe for example, corporate law, real estate law, estates law, trust law, then we might be looking at somebody that has expertise in that area. And one of the benefits of being in Ontario is we have such a plethora of very good and um, qualified mediators that why not, at least, if we're going to pay for it, let's at least get value for our dollar and get somebody that is able to identify options for settlement that the lawyers themselves and the clients themselves may not even see. And that's where you would look at the specific issues to identify what particularly expertise you need. Another thing that you might want to consider when thinking about a mediator is um, who would your, your ex-spouse more likely listen to? So to use your example, Leanne, one of the benefits of mediation is this concept called neutral evaluation, where the mediator actually, in some cases, provides an opinion like recommendations on what should occur. Now, if you choose the mediator and it's you were able to convince your ex to choose the mediator and you choose the mediator and your ex is sort of coming in, but not particularly sold on the mediator and the mediator makes a recommendation um, that you are good with, but your spouse has already got second thoughts about the mediator and definitely is not going to accept that recommendation. 
you've just wasted a day in mediation. So there's an argument to be made that if one of the things that you want out of mediation is neutral evaluation, basically an, an, an opinion on how you guys should get over the issue, then you sort of want your spouse to be the one that chooses the mediator because when that recommendation is made, hopefully it's favorable to you and something that you agree to, then you know that because she or he chose the mediator, they're likely, they're more likely to honor that recommendation. And so these are just some factors that we look at. Now I'll tell you, oftentimes um, I'm a mediator as well. So people will contact me and go, here's the case. What do you think? Meaning, do you think you can help? And I'll be honest with them. Sometimes I'll say, you know what? There's a, there's a, there are better qualified mediators for that case than me. And I might make a recommendation to them. And that's happened recently. Um, so um, one way to overcome the, I don't know those mediators is just to simply research them and or pick up the phone and speak to them. It, just because your ex is the one proposing it doesn't mean that person is in their corner um, or somehow that person is not qualified. At the end of the day, we mediators all are accredited or most of us are, I should say, and we have to abide by a code of ethics. And some people contact me and talk to me as a client. And then after the fact, they say, oh, my ex and I would like to hire you. I say, well, you can't unless your ex knows everything that you told me and everything that I told you and, and then uh, waives any potential conflict. Uh, it's a lot easier and a lot smarter to go to someone that's never spoken to you before. Because that way there's not gonna ever be this sense that, well, the mediator is obviously leaning in favor of my ex. And so um, whether it's a mediator or a evaluator or an appraiser, or a parent coordinator or an arbitrator, it really, really is important to make sure that that person has gravitas. What's gravitas? Gravitas is the authority and the control of the room and the ability to carry the ball over the line and settle the case. Last thing people want is to spend thousands of dollars spinning their wheels, paying their lawyer to prepare a brief, showing up for mediation, only to find out that that mediator was sort of, you know, uncommitted, unable to persuade, unable to move people in the direction of settlement. And every once in a while, I get a mediator where we didn't settle. And I always find this to be the most interesting quality in a mediator, even though there's no money in it, even though they're disappointed they didn't settle. Some of them, will contact the spouses and go, I'm still here. My door is open. I want to help you settle. Um, and that's a sign of a really committed mediator because their job isn't about just collecting the fee for the day. It's about getting the case settled. Absolutely. And you know, one of my frustrations, whether it's picking a mediator, an appraiser, sometimes it's a, a real estate agent to list the matrimonial home, whatever it might be, is that um you know clients and you know our listeners everyone needs to understand that um all of these people are professionals and you know they have some level of accountability that they're you know in the case of a mediator they're um you know if they're certified and accredited 
Um, you know, there's an accountability there. If they're a real estate agent, you know, re the, the real estate or organization that I, I, RICO, I think it's called, or I, the, the name's escaping me, but you know, they're, they're accountable to that. Um, you know, the, but at the end of the day, these are professionals and they're not gonna sink their career um, by doing something unethical and having biases um, towards your spouse because they may have done some previous files with your spouse's lawyer and so their lawyer recommended them. I mean, your particular file is not going to be worth somebody sabotaging their career over and doing something unethical and, and hurting their reputation because whether it's my line of work or the lines of work of all these experts and, and third parties for different things that we're talking about, um, what's, what's important to all of us is our reputation. And so if you sully your reputation, that's going to hurt your career. And so people don't have a motivation to do that. They have a motivation to, to act ethically, to be unbiased, um, and to be helpful to the people that they're serving. And so just because uh, the real estate agent or the mediator or the appraiser, you know, came through your, you know, ex-spouse's lawyer, it doesn't mean that you can't trust them. It doesn't mean that they're not gonna do a good job and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't use them. It's, and it's not, I see someone putting a conflict of interest, but it's not a conflict of interest. Um, if, if I refer somebody uh, as a mediator on a file, um, and it's not a conflict of interest. Just and and if it, even if it is a conflict of interest, for example, if Leanne refers a client of hers to me, and Leanne and I have a very close professional relationship, and Leanne would say, and the world would know that Leanne and I have a close professional relationship. Um, and then the other spouse says, um, okay, my spouse proposed you as a name. I would make full and honest declaration of not only my knowledge and my relationship with Leanne's client, but also with Leanne. And so, you know, it happens, by the way, in board meetings all the time where one of the agenda item is everybody has to declare any conflicts of interest. And, and now that they're out, it's up to the client if they want to go ahead with it or not. So just because there is a conflict doesn't mean that the person cannot serve. That's number one. Number two is back to your point, Leanne, all of us are licensed. So whether you're a real estate agent or an appraiser, um, most mediators, anybody should definitely not be using a mediator that's not accredited and not trained and not licensed. So let's remove that person or category. Um, but all of us who are licensed and insured, um, we abide by a code of ethics. And if, if you're not sure, um, you can certainly go to the body, whether it's the law society or the mediators directory or lawyer ratings, or just straight up Yelp or Google review. And you could see if anybody else has ever complained about that person as being biased or imbalanced or in a conflict or unethical in any way. And so I've had cases where somebody else has said, let's use this, whatever, mediator, appraiser. And I go do my research and I see a whole long list of complaints. And I almost jokingly send the link to the other lawyer and saying, is this the same person? And they're like, oh no, no, I didn't know that. I'll get you a new list. That's the best way to deal with it. I had a client just yesterday, actually, 
he was very frustrated because two weeks ago, I asked him to give me a list of five real estate agents in the area that he um, knows well because they have signage there and they, they're an area specialist. And he, he gave me those names. Uh, they were all from different agencies. I sent it to the other uh, lawyer and the other lawyer um, took them about a week and a half to get back to me. And they gave me a different list of, of three agents. And uh, I said uh, to the lawyer, I said, okay, why does your client choose one off our list and we'll choose one off your list. And then those two agents will have appointments at the house to be able to walk through the house and meet the people and decide if it's a good fit. Well, the lawyer agreed with me. The, my client's spouse tells him at home, no, I'm not gonna choose anybody off your list. It's gotta be my list. So my client rightfully calls me and is upset. So I said to the client, let's be smart about picking our battles. Now, I'm going to invite you, Leanne, to criticize me on this because maybe I was wrong with the advice that I gave him, but I'm going to tell you what the advice was. I said to him, these three agents on her list, they will not get paid unless that house sells. And they will only get paid well is if that house sells for maximum dollar value. Why would any of these three agents sign a listing with you to not get paid, to favor your spouse, to not sell the house, to delay the sale, that's not going to happen. So why don't you at least interview those three, see what their credentials are, see if they have any expertise in the area, see what their marketing plan is. And if at the end of the day, one of those three strikes you as a reasonable agent that will get the job done, Think about the benefit of you having chosen one of her agents, because now there's a much higher probability that we're going to be able to get other concessions on something else later. It's almost like a, uh, a trade. Well, yeah. it's reciprocal. So anyway, that's what I told the client. And he actually liked the advice and recognized the, uh, the reasonableness of that, even though he was really upset that she wouldn't even look at his list. No, and, and I think that that's, to me, that is good advice um, because it's, it all comes down to picking your battles. And if, you're, if you've got someone who's qualified um, and you've interviewed them and you're comfortable with them, but they came from you know, a suggestion from the other side, that, that's not a reason not to pick them. And you, the fact that you went with your ex's choice um, or recommendation, you know, may give you some leverage on something else down the road that's more important to you. Um, I have to say, though, I did have a file uh, a number of years ago where I was dealing with a very unethical opposing party, a very unethical lawyer on behalf of the opposing party, and they went to get a real estate agent uh, to list a matrimonial home, and the, the real estate agent um, was uh, a very good friend of the opposing party and also quite unethical. And they were trying to push ahead in the listing price that they had suggested for the matrimonial home was um, much, much, much lower than, you know, the, the home was worth. And I think the, the opposing party was looking at, at buying it and, um, you know, buying it at a, for a song kind of thing. And so, 
Um, while most people out there in these professions are very ethical and if you do your research, you'll be able to, you know, find out that they know what they're doing and they've got good reviews and people speak well of them. There, there is that tiny minority where there are problems. And so, you know, it is definitely something you should always research. So, um, you know, when I say that ha accepting a, a name that came from the other side is not a bad thing. But it doesn't mean you should just blindly accept it. You do need to do your research and make sure that, um, you know, there isn't an issue. And as Steve mentioned, you know, in the case he was talking about with the bad reviews and things like that, all of that stuff can be relevant. So, um, so do your research. Yeah. And to use your example, just to wrap up, um, if an agent is indicating the need to price a property, either deliberately low in order to give an advantage to one of the owners as against the buyers, or the agent is just not substantiating their reasons. In other words, just uh, we all know that when you hire an agent, one of the things they do is they bring up comparables to see what have properties in your area sold for in order to determine the listing price. And in some cases, the marketing plan is to list low to generate multiple offers. In other cases, it's to list at market value and see what comes in the door. So. Um, these are strategies that require, obviously, professionalism, expertise, and ethics. And while this agent might be saying, let's list it at X dollars, you could speak to three other agents and ask them, what would they recommend it? And if the first agent, chosen by your spouse, matches what everybody else told you, then you know you're going down the right path. So there's ways to cross-reference and double-check uh, the professionalism, the expertise, and the ethics by simply interviewing other people. And, um, and by the way, it's, it's always a good idea to interview a few people anyway, because when you're in the situation that you're in, particularly splitting up and you're looking to hire an agent or a mediator or an appraiser, you know, you will become more knowledgeable about the process by speaking to more people. And that's a good thing because knowledge is power and it allows you to make confident choices because you're not simply the yes person agreeing with what somebody else tells you to do. Exactly. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, we will be back again next week with a new topic. And again, if you have any suggestions, send them to Steve or I. We're happy to add them to our list. We'll see you here again next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Divorce Explained. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to head on over to Instagram and follow at Steve Benmore and at Leanne Townsend Life for more. And if you're looking for specific divorce services, you can visit benmore.com and leannetownsend.ca. We hope today's episode made you feel informed and inspired as you move along through your divorce journey. Tune in next week for Divorce Explained.